Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. This week we talked with Joel Landsberg. And you can share more about him because he's a good friend of yours. He for sure is. He is somebody that I um, talk about being on like a personal board of directors. Someone that I can talk to about good and bad and hard and easy and celebration and life stuff that isn't. Um, somebody that's there. Yeah. When you want to have a conversation or or need to have a conversation or talk about something that's on your mind, mm. somebody that you know is going to be there. Um, so a good friend, mm-hmm. uh, a good friend. Um, and we typically have those conver- types of conversations, but they're not as serious for as long as mm-hmm. this was. Yeah. So. Thanks yeah. for bringing, it, it was, I, I've never talked to him at that length about those topics. It usually digresses into something right. silly yeah. or we find something else. To, we find a joke to tell and then yeah. try not to take it too serious. So that's how this conversation or this episode was different than anything else that I've had with him in the past. Yeah, it was, it was a... It was a dynamic conversation. It was long, but in a good way. It was um, like we talked about so many serious things, deep things. There is humor in it. Is there? Yeah, when yeah. we were talking about golf. Yeah. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. He's a funny dude. Uh, he for sure is a funny dude. Um, I laugh a lot when I'm with him. Mm. Um, and it's probably interesting. Your perspective is interesting because that was the first time that you've met yeah, him. Yeah, that was the first was, time. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so like I was pretty comfortable having a conversation with two people that I trust. And it was a different perspective for you, I would imagine. Of, it was. Well, this is a good friend of Eden's and this is the first time that I'm meeting him. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool to, to meet him. It was also... I. There was so there was a a few key things that I took away from the conversation, and one, a couple of things that he talked about because he coaches girls high school soccer. Yeah. Right? Yep. And he was in a leadership role um, before he left JJ Keller. Um, he he acts as it seems like in life acts as a leader, like a good leader in life. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that he talks about is when he's, you know, as, as he's talking about raising his daughters or when he's coaching, he talks about this idea of one things, things take work, right? Nothing comes easy. He also talks about, this idea of, you know, actually what we talked about in the first episode, going in afraid, this, that you don't have to, um, that not believing isn't a reason to hold yourself back. Like if you don't believe in yourself, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Or you don't believe that, you know, you have all these what ifs, 
what if I don't do a good job, and so on. You're in a new, oh, that's what he was talking about. You were he, he having a player play a new role, play a new yeah. position. There you go. Right? And um, being afraid that they're not going to do a good job. And, and the way that he coaches that is like, well, just just do it, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. So I really appreciated that. Um, yes. And I think the way that he does it, in a sense of just do it, like I believe in you. Yes. I'm not yeah. going to get mad at you. Yeah. I'm here to coach you and to help you. Go try it. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? And I yeah. think he has that influence. There's a lot of, that I admire about Joel. Mm -hmm. He's instilled confidence in me mm -hmm. when we were working together mm -hmm. on different things. Um, some of the work that I was doing, some of the presentations that I was giving, mm -hmm. he would come up and say, this is good. You're mm -hmm. doing it. Keep mm -hmm. doing it. Um, and I think it comes off just, other people have said that to me, but it came off as authentic and that he, if he, if he believes in it and sees it, yeah. um, and isn't, and is willing to share that with me. Uh, and I think he's, I know that he's doing some of that with, um, the girls that he coaches mm -hmm. with the, um, males that are a part of the camp mm, that he, mm -hmm. um, right. Like I think he, he has those skills and he's sharing those skills and he's instilling confidence in, uh, the next generation. Uh, and that's something yeah. that I for sure look up to him. Yeah. That he's yeah. doing. What else do you have as a takeaway? Uh, he shares something that actually reminded me of Kelly Nutty's episode, um, where Kelly talks about um, that I wasn't afraid to do things because I knew that I could always change it or go back or whatever. Yeah. He talks about this idea of not being afraid to step into new areas, right? His transition from... Um, from J.J. Keller to doing his own business, uh, there's a new story coming. So not holding, not holding himself back by, um, oh, that's what we were talking about. Not holding yourself back by things from the past. Mm -hmm. That that's just not a thing for him mm. because there's always a new, right? Like yeah. just this idea, there's yeah. a new story coming. He lives that and models yeah. that. It's easy to say it, though, yeah. right? Like, don't worry about what happened in the past. Just move on. Focus mm -hmm. on what's next. Uh, I think he has a history of living that, which yeah. also makes it uh, inspiring for him mm -hmm. to share that stuff. Yeah, he talked a fair amount about um, departure from J.J. Keller and that mm -hmm. transition. And that was a, a helpful conversation for me to have with him. Certainly, we've, we've had conversation along the way. Um, but, but for his reflection on that, um, around fulfillment, mm -hmm. um, and that he, he was looking for it and looking for something else, um, and that it was difficult, a difficult decision. Um, and that we, you know, um, felt like there are relationships there that are still important to us mm -hmm. and how, how that makes it difficult to leave something that you're with and aligned with for a, a long period of time. So yeah. as I think about that conversation and reflect on it and, and think about my why, uh, that was a helpful conversation for me mm -hmm. to have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was a good episode. It was a good conversation. Um, and I really enjoyed getting to know your friend. Yeah. Uh, he brought his camera. 
uh, and recorded it. Yes. So we tried out some new equipment. <laughs> uh, we're thankful for him for that as we think about kind of what's next for us and what we want to do. Yeah. Um, it was good to get a, a version of that. So you'll, you'll see a different... A mm -hmm. um, little bit better sound, better visual. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being on, Joel. Thank we appreciate you. you and thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. Thanks. Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Today we have Eden's friend Joel Landsberg. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah, not bad. Okay. Landsberg. Landsberg. Yeah. Okay. I call him Landy. But nice. Joel. Yeah. Uh, Joel's a good dude. Uh, this will be fun. Uh, Joel's a friend uh, and a mentor and somebody who I rely on to. Uh, have conversation with and um, share life with and life experience with. Uh, I was trying to remember on the way over how long we've known each other, when we met and what that looked like. Um, it would have been the JJ Keller days for sure, right? Yeah, even as a intern, I think. That's when I started. Right. Yeah, that would have been 20 years ago-ish, 18 right. years ago. Yeah. Um, and all your hair was up here. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you were there, and I think working in a different department at the time, and then uh, as you switched over, we worked more closely and right. saw each other on the regular mm -hmm. um, for a good chunk of time, for about 15 years probably. We yeah. worked together and saw each other on most days on Monday through Friday. Thanks for being on. Yes. I appreciate you guys having me. This yeah. is very cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday we're recording on. Uh, two pretty super people. Two people that I like a lot. Aww. That's so nice. You knew that. Oh, right? Yeah. 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 That I'm super? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where do we start, fella? What do you want to talk about? Well, first... Tell us your story a little bit. What First, I just want to say thank you for um, the audiovisual setup and stuff and lending your expertise there. Sure. Um, Happy to do it. Want to ask a question around what inspired you to get into that space? Oh, wow. Speaking of going deep and right at the start. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I have just always, for whatever reason, I've just always been interested in production stuff mm. audio video production some of my oldest memories um, like little kids i used to listen to the radio all the time like i would mm -hmm. plug my radio in right next to my bed and hide it next to the bed and listen to the top 40 um, you know sunday night late at night and, uh, i would play with one of my best friends and we always had matchbox cars and we would do races right like drag races and stuff Back then in the 70s, racing was a big deal around here, stock car races and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. My dad used to take me once in a while. And then we would I would literally get out the microphone and the tape recorder and like do recordings of our races. That's like calling it like awesome. a sports announcer. Yeah. Awesome. I wish I could find those tapes. <laughs> I'm sure they were spectacularly <laughs> awful. 
Um, that was just something that always interested me. I loved doing that stuff. Yeah. I made endless, you know, cassette tapes of recordings of music and stuff. And, uh, I always dabbled with it in school. Um, you know, my very first, the first college I went to, I did a lot of music production and audio production work, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't like my main area of study. I was studying biology and some music, you know, performance, but not, not on the post-production side. But I worked at the radio station there, and I just was really into that stuff. I love being on the radio. I don't know why. Because mm-hmm. you can kind of just be whoever you want. Yeah. You know, you're talking about music that you love and just sharing someone's space. You know, their radio's on, and they're listening because they want to. And yeah. So I always worked at radio stations when I was at school. Did you have a personality, or were you were you who you wanted to be? Were you yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was. I was like me, but like turned up a few dials, turned up a few notches. Yeah, you know, kind of just let it loose a little bit. But I no, I didn't have like a radio name or personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I I prefer obviously to play you know alternative rock or college rock or mm-hmm. rock and roll or whatever it was. So that was kind of easy to get into sit around and listen to good tunes. Yeah. There's just something, there's also something for me about having a set of headphones on. I just, mm. I love having everything else kind of blocked out. Mm. Have the headphones on, mm-hmm. you're in your own space and you're not hearing all the other distractions and it quiets down the distractions in your head. Mm-hmm. It seems weird. It seems like it would amplify it, but it does the opposite. And now I sit around in my office, you know, eight hours a day with headphones on. Mm-hmm. All day, whether or not I'm using them. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, I, I can just keep going. You know, I, I was going, I was studying engineering in Milwaukee, and it was great. You know, it was that's tough, and and I grind, I grinded on that for three or four years. Um, and I realized just one day that I was like, I don't really care how all this stuff is made. I just want to use it. Mm-hmm. Right, because I was trying to be an electrical engineer, but I, I just wanted to use all the stuff. So uh, I transitioned into radio, TV, and film production, and went to Oshkosh. A great program, and I knocked that out, old program out in two years. And you went to college for ten years. Seven, seven years. Yeah, oh, wow. a lot of people seven. go to college for seven years. Yeah. Okay. They sure do. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, but, but yeah, just from like switching. Yeah, I mean, my first two years was like anyone else, right? Gen eds and okay, um, yeah. learning college life. And then I was in Iowa and I was getting lonely and bored. Um, this was all pre-internet, so I couldn't, I couldn't text my buddies or do a video call or mm-hmm. even email them. Um, they were all in Milwaukee and Madison. So I was like, I'm going to move to Milwaukee and have some more fun and see my friends and mm-hmm. study a little less probably. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it also wasn't for me, you know, what I was studying obviously wasn't, wasn't going to be my path. So it wasn't my own passion. Once I found that, and even while I was in Milwaukee, you know, I was uh, at the Milwaukee Aerial Technical College. I was in the jazz band and we were doing audio recordings. I've got a, there's an album at home of our jazz band. Mm. Um, So it was always, that was always kind of going on for me, that studio and production stuff. (laughs) What are the instruments that you play? You have a ukulele. Actually, I don't own a ukulele, but I have 
performed with you. You know your way around a ukulele. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, you. I mean, I started playing saxophone in fifth grade. Mm. So um, I played ukulele at a wedding. I prepared. Um, what's the Kermit the Frog song about the rainbow? Oh. Rainbow Connection. Yeah. I prepared Rainbow Connection for a wedding when I was asked to play Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Okay. Um, so a late, you know, a late night uh, jam session got us squared away on Somewhere Over the Rainbow instead of Rainbow Connection. Oh, okay, sure. Is that available? That's somewhere, right? It might Somebody be, has it. Is that, yeah, it probably yeah. is. We'll link to it in the show notes if we can find Sure. Yeah. 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 The singer and I got together Saturday and he said, we're not doing Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog. So, Which you had to practice in yeah, the probably, I would imagine. It. It well yeah. prepared. Yeah. <laughs> we actually did end up playing it once everybody had left the church. Mm-hmm. We did it anyway. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, I played some guitar and bass and drums. When you were in the jazz band, what did you play? Saxophone. 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 Yeah. Cool. What inspired you toward music? Uh, Probably my mom. Okay. Um, She was always singing and she was always involved Mm -hmm. in music at church. Mm -hmm. She was in the choir and she just always just thought music was important. Yeah. I know my other brothers, I've got three older brothers and they were kind of encouraged to play stuff. But I had met, I met really good friends when I was in band and playing instruments. Mm-hmm. So I just like the idea of not being in band or something just never, never occurred to me once sure. I started in fifth grade. Yeah. Um, I think without band, frankly, without band, like in high school, I'm not sure I would have graduated. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I spent all my non class specific time doing something with band, just hanging out in the band room because we could do that on our free hours, mm-hmm. um, you know, practicing or whatever, but it was band. Mm-hmm. I was the marching band, jazz band, the show choir band, the concert band, uh, you name it, that band. You found your people there. You found your sense of community. It was something that you enjoyed doing. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, yeah. yeah it became, a thing. It became mm-hmm. a thing that was a positive influence. Yeah, I mean, a couple of my oldest friends, I've you know, we started playing saxophone together. I mean, I've known some of my friends since you know kindergarten or whatever, but yeah, that's just that's just where my people were. I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Never really thought about it much, but I. It seems weird that it never occurred to me to stop playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of kids start playing and then they just. Well, my parents made me do it or whatever, and I'm, I'm sure yeah. mine did too, but. I saw a saxophone. I was like, "That's a really cool little thing." I want to play that thing with all the buttons and yeah. knobs on it. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the more com- complex instruments, too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of keys. I'm not sure how much I can play one anymore, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of keys and buttons and things. Sure. And it's a reed instrument, so yeah. it's a little difficult to play. But or something sounded cool. They look jazzy and awesome. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. Youngest in your family, three older brothers. Yes. What's that like? I was almost an only child. Uh, my closest brother is almost seven years older than me. So my oldest brother I have no memory of living with. Mm. I don't even know him without 
I don't know him separate from his wife. Like I, I, I remember the day I met her, and that's about my oldest memory of him. Oh, wow. It's probably like five. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I grew up in the house by myself a lot. Mm-hmm. My mom was home all the time, but um, I also lived in a you know kind of just cut it loose neighborhood where there was four de- four dead end streets and like. 25 kids, but mm. that were all within mm-hmm. two or three years of my age. So it was Lord of Flies in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in Nina, Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 Out west of the high school. And we kind of had the run of the place. Everybody knew who we were. And mm-hmm. did a lot of bike riding and skateboarding and lighting stuff on fire. Generally having a good time. <laughs> Coming home pretty close to when we were told to. Mostly. Yeah, yeah. Older brother's influence on life. It, older brother's influence on childhood. They were there, but not, they weren't, yeah. they were older. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the three of them were all much closer in age together, probably like five years apart. So those three probably had a lot more impact on one another. For me, they were kind of like mm-hmm. older, cool cousins. Yeah. Okay. You know, sure. that I saw quite as often. Yeah. As I said, my oldest brother was gone. Like he left, like he was 18 he was out at school and he never came back. Mm-hmm. The other two worked a lot. And, yeah. I just saw them kind of, and they weren't interested in having their whatever, you know, if they're 15, they're with their eight year old brother hanging around. So, yeah. I get that. So I put on my headphones and, Made myself my own tapes. Yeah. Back to the matchbox. <laughs> right. Back to the matchbox cars. And I listened a lot. I mean, and they let me have like a small stack of their albums. Mm-hmm. Right. So I listened to a lot of Phil Collins and Boston mm-hmm. and REO Speedway and then Sticks. That was about it. Sure. Five or six records. Yeah. Uh, you own Landsberg Media. I do. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about? Transition to that, mm. transition to entrepreneurism, transition to doing your own thing. Uh, a lot of time spent mm-hmm. in a structured corporate environment. Yeah. Um, How did that talk happen? about your why? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Let's talk through some of that. Sure. Um, I mean, as you know, I worked at J.J. Keller for 20 years, a little bit more than 20 years, and uh, I had a great career there. I had a lot of fun with a lot of people that I like uh, and know well. I think a lot of people who were pulling in the same direction a lot of the time, and that was really fun, uh, super productive. And then things changed a little bit for me. You know, as we transition, obviously, the businesses evolve and needs change. Uh, I had an opportunity to do some significantly different work than I had been doing. Uh, I was a leader of a training products, product development team. So we literally were building, you know, video based training and online training. Sure. Okay. Doing lots of video production and lots of content creation and a great team of people. Uh, to work with every day 
Um, I had an opportunity to go and work in innovation at Keller, which was new at the time. <clears throat> and I knew there would be a lot of unknown about that because it was brand new to the business. Um, the direction wasn't super clear, you know, but at the same time, you know, help us set direction kind of thing, right? So um, that's a lot of space to kind of explore and work within. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it just wasn't, there wasn't enough of a roadmap to kind of follow to say, this is how you can be productive and this is how you can like do fulfilling work. Okay. It was more, it was too white space for me. Like I, was, I felt, I felt, it was, I was uncomfortable. I, I didn't feel like I could move stuff along mm -hmm. fast enough and have impact quickly and, and get feedback quickly and, mm. and, uh, and put stuff in front of customers, you know, and say, Oh, customers love that. And they hated that. And let's keep making those and let's kill that project. And, mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And it was also very much an individual contributor, which is going to sound weird uh, because I have my own business now, but it's very individual contributor in that corporate space and I felt kind of oddly isolated even though I had lots of people around. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you didn't, you didn't necessarily work with a team. You didn't have direction and you had, it was more kind of just like, I mean, did you present ideas? Did they yep. want you to present yeah. ideas and so the, but it was just too much like, okay, but what, Like, what direction do I, do I, right. like, uh, I'm trying to, trying to, like, get at the. So for a lot of, a lot of product development, you know, the horizon is maybe 12, 18, 24 months out in front of you. And you mm -hmm. can see that pretty well. Okay. You know, this is a product that we know customers need from us and we know how to make that product. And we think we can, we've got a business case and we can put it together and have it available. Mm -hmm. Right. In that fairly short window. But what we were talking about was it could be was kind of like started five years from now. Okay. And 10, you know, sure. what are we going to be doing in five and then the next 10 years? What is the business going to look like? And how will customers needs evolve to kind of, to fill in that space. Mm -hmm. And frankly, you know, it made me nervous. I was like, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that yeah. seems like a lot of weight to carry yeah. um, to say, you know, I can, I can for sure tell you what a customer is going to want in five years. Mm -hmm. Well, also the world, right, <laughs> the right, community can look very different. Yeah. You talked about leading a team and yeah. being a people leader, mm -hmm. and I saw I respect the work that you did there, and I think you got energy from that piece of it too. And when that's pulled away, or when it's an individual contributor role, as you were describing, yeah. It feels different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really enjoyed that part of my job. You know, we've talked about that. I there's a lot of people on my team who loved. You know, they were professional, technical people, and they loved this the way that they were able to use their skill set, whether it was mm -hmm. writing or media production or curriculum development or whatever that was. 
because they were really good at that. And they knew that tool really well. And they, yeah. and they loved putting it to work. Um, and what I was, what I felt like one of the values, or not values, but the benefits I was able to bring to the team was I could hear, you know, what the business was asking for, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is the business need. And this is what the marketer uh, is telling me. And this is what customers are responding with. And this is how tech support or sales is talking back to us about mm-hmm. what customers want or what the product is or isn't doing. And I felt like I could take all of those, you know, inputs and help to prioritize them and put them into, you know, ideas and direction so that all the folks who were kind of boots on the ground on my team knew what their next step was going to be okay. without having to synthesize all that stuff for themselves. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I sort of felt like a firewall, right. For all of those inputs from the business, whether it was our director of product development or if it was marketing or if it was sales or it was support or even the CEO, right. There's all, all these different lines of communication coming at you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like I, you know, I can, I can take all of that fire and boil it down right into something we can actually, you know, be actionable about. Sure. Protect that space, make sure they can focus on what's important, align on what they can focus on, yeah. and then just kind of right. and give them, them air cover. Right. And help them to, point, to not right. get distracted yeah. by a bunch yeah, yeah, of yeah. other mm-hmm. you know, potential, you know, what, what somebody might say, this is your new priority. That didn't, you know, that is that can really be, you know, cause a lot of anxiety for right. someone who doesn't know that that's not their priority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, there was a couple, there was one or two guys on my team I had preached to all the time. I said that that person's emergency is not our problem mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got work that we've talked about that we've agreed that we're going to do just because it landed in your inbox does not suddenly make it our job or our priority or any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes they didn't thank me for that because they sort of wanted to fight fires sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, I also felt like, well, you wouldn't be telling me about it if you didn't want me to tell you that it was okay to ignore it mm-hmm. and just go on with your work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would just do it or, you know, if it was just a little pet project that you wanted to get away with, you would kind of just do it in some of the extra time you had. But. You know, that, those were some of the ways where they sort of told me they needed me without saying that they needed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I, I found that I felt like I was pretty good, good at that yep. stuff. You were pretty good at that. So. Oh. You were a pretty good leader. Uh, where, where did you learn how to lead? Where, like leadership, you described a little bit about your philosophy. Yeah. I mean, they said... JJ Keller, I think it was really good at supporting leaders, like mm-hmm. developing new leaders, giving you a lot of uh, exposure to, you know, how to, how to lead and how to talk to people and how to communicate with different types of people. Um, but I don't, you know, I also feel like the people that worked on my team kind of showed me mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. how to lead, like what you're doing, I mean, I would get feedback all the time. 
for whatever reason, people were never afraid to give me feedback, which was fine. <laughs> I guess I, I that's probably... A, that's, that says about something about it. I'm sure I invited it. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but, you know, if I did something that was stupid, I often would hear about it <laughs> from someone on my team, um, which is fine. You know, I don't... That's not a thing I have an ego about. Mm-hmm. I'm just more interested in making sure people are... You know, they're feeling safe, they're feeling supported, they're feeling excited. I mean, I want them to want to come Mm -hmm. to work and do that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's what makes a good leader. That's what leadership looks like or in spaces that that isn't happening, what it should look like is that you're not only giving feedback to the people on um, on your team or the people that are on your team, mm-hmm. um, but that you're also listening to them and what they need, even if it doesn't come through directly. Yeah. I also, I never really subscribed much to being like, like the smartest man in there or smartest person in the room, that whole mm-hmm. philosophy of leadership, right? There, there seems to be the, the closer and closer you get to the top of an organization, the more that kind of seeps in. Right, everybody is sort of looking around for who's that smartest person in the room, okay. um, because they must be the leader, right? Um, but I, I mean, I had such, I thought such capable and smart people on my team that I just, I mean, there's no way I was the smartest person in the room about any of the work that they were doing, you know, day to day. So you know, if they told me hey, this thing that we're going to do is going to take two weeks, I don't have any reason to not believe them. Mm-hmm. Because um, that wasn't my job. My job wasn't to know how long it was going to take. You know, I could critique it for them. I could say, you know, maybe I could find a hole in the plan or something, or I could help them say, you know, this we're now working towards the right solution here for these reasons. Mm-hmm. But as far as like how to do it, and, you know, how they would, you know, approach those tasks, that was up to them. I mean, that was that was their expertise. That's why I hired them. Mm-hmm. It would feel very disingenuous to to say to Jason, you know, hey Jason, I have to have you on my team because I need somebody who can do these things, and I believe that you can do these things, and then have him in the room and then tell him how to do his work. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that seemed very odd to me. Yeah, and you built most of that team too, right? You hired that team, or found those skills, or found gaps within those skills, and then hired hired for that, and then hired contracts around that. Mm-hmm. So that was your thing. That was your team that you built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Twenty years with one company is a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it feel like to to make that leap? Where are you at? How long have you, how far removed are you from that? And maybe describe the journey of yeah. the fields. Yeah, it's, you know, it's probably starting to sound a little cliche, you know, because of COVID. And I mean, so many, there's so many stories like this, right? That happened during COVID. People left work. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think mine really had much to do with that. Uh, I had a friend of mine is a director of engineering and he's talking to me about a video project that they're trying to get accomplished. And he wants to know, you know, where can I find someone who can do X, Y, and Z work for them? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me more about it. You know, what are you, what are you really trying to accomplish? Blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, 
I'm not feeling super great, you know, about some of the work I was doing uh, at, my, at my real job. So I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe I can do some of this on the side, right? Mm-hmm. I can help him out. And yeah. If it's, not, if it's not as big a project as it sounds like it's not a huge project, I could maybe work this, some of this in and kind of find some more fulfillment in doing that. Mm-hmm. Maybe just see how it goes. Um, so two or three months of conversation with him. And eventually I just said, you know, this, and actually he asked me, so, you know, would, would you just document this and kind of almost write it up like a proposal? I said, sure. I mean, this is just you know, one of my oldest friends. I'm like, I'm just you know, doing what I would normally do for him, whatever. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But then it got to the point where I was like, if this is really what it sounds like it is, and you're going to hire somebody to do this work, what could it just be me? Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would like to be the one to do this. Yeah. Cause I think I can do it. I mean, at the time I wasn't doing a lot of production work, um, you know, even casually, but sometimes I take calculated leaps like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I just said, yeah, I can, I can do it. No problem. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, leaving JJ Keller, that was not easy. Um, I was there for a very long time and I had a lot of uh, great friends and connections there. And I had a lot of motivation to stay there a long time. You know, my dad worked at at AAL and AAL and Thrivent for 42 years. Mm. And that really worked out well for him. You know, he had a lot of great friends there. He had, great career there. Uh, I know he was always very fulfilled about his work and he felt really strongly about that commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had taken some of that on myself and I think I always imagined that I would be at JJ Keller for 45 years, Sure. you know, and retiring someday with a big cake and a bunch of people that I've worked with for four decades around. Um, That obviously did not come to fruition, but I don't have any real heartburn about it. I'm happy to have had this opportunity. I mean, I'm lucky, frankly, to have been able to leave a job in the corporate world, you know, doing, you know, doing something for 20 some years and then leave that job and then walk right into a contract that kept me, you know, I'm not, not whole or anywhere near it, but, you know, kept me running Mm -hmm. for a year so I could kind of get my sea legs and see what it's going to feel like to do this and, it didn't have to be, you know, a lifelong commitment to entrepreneurship or owning my own business or something, but um, it is something I always kind of dreamed about. And then I pushed it to the side. I dreamed about and pushed it to the side. Man, it would really be cool to have my own business, with my own name on it, making my own decisions. Yeah. And all of the work I do is just is always moving something forward, mm-hmm. right? It's never just for the sake of doing work. It's, you know, I'm editing something or I'm writing something or I'm recording voiceover for something or I'm, you know, you name it. It's, it's moving a project closer to the finish line mm-hmm. every minute I'm working. Mm. And every minute I'm not working, that's okay too. <laughs> yeah. Well, finding that balance, yeah. right? Finding that 
that dance that I describe as being an entrepreneur, leaving the corporate world and figuring out how much is enough and what does enough look like and feel like. Right. Uh, describe some of that for you. Well, when you say enough, I think I think a little bit about what what fills what fills me back up, mm -hmm. right? About work, yeah. Not just like how hard can I run the engine and you know how much gas can I burn in this thing to make a paycheck. Mm -hmm. It's when I'm done, you know, do I am I exhausted or am I ready to go again? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So, you know, Michelle and I have been very fortunate. We've had good lives. We've both had good careers. Um, and we've been, you know, mostly modest in our living. So, and to the point right now where, you know, I'm not worried about paying the heat bill mm -hmm. um, because I'm just not. So I don't worry about, is this enough work Money-wise, although money is important, obviously, and I need to make money, and I can't sit around doing work for nothing. Um, I'm finding that if I'm doing something that is kind of filling me back up and, and putting, you know, more steam in the engine, that the money is it, it just comes. Yeah. Um, and I sound and I sound very flippant or nonchalant about it, but um, I'm not taking work that I don't want. I'm not spending a whole bunch of time doing work that I don't want to do. Um, I'm looking for work that's work that I want to do. Yep. And, you know, I have enough connections and I've, and I've been around enough where I can find work. So um, right now it's enough. You know, mm -hmm. right now I have a few opportunities that I'm a little, one of them I'm kind of afraid of. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of exciting. That's, like, that's good, the good energy too, right? Yeah. yeah that yeah. being afraid again is, yeah. Cause I think sometimes you're in that structure and you're in that environment where mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, well it's too safe. Yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. feel, you don't get that energy. Yeah. It's just another project. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say fear can be a really big motivator, but the question that I was going to ask around that is, what is the um, what is the fear around that, or can you can you speak to sure. kind of the fear around that project? And then I do the other question I have is when you were thinking about um, how wouldn't it be cool if I could do this right full time? Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that sort of held you back there? But maybe speak to the fear first, since that's where we just were. Sure. Um, I mean, right now, the opportunity that's a, that I'm a little fearful of is it's, it's somewhat unknown. Uh, the scope of it is somewhat unknown. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also with a, a fairly major organization. Okay. Right? A, a large organization with lots and lots of money. You know, so always with that kind of thing comes with high expectations. Yeah. Right. Um, their their propensity for making mistakes is much lower. Right. They they have. So I mean, just those two things alone. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I'll be interfacing with a lot of people on the project. Okay. Um, it won't just be kind of me, you know, writing scripts and shooting video and editing. 
kind of sitting there with my headphones on all day. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be much more, I'd be much more involved in planning. And There'll be more, um, more collaborative yeah. um, element. Yep. And a much longer horizon okay. for the project and, you know, the opportunity for frankly, quite a bit of work. And so a little bit of the fear is, am I going to be too busy? Sure. I don't want to be too busy. Mm-hmm. I do have things I like to do. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't want to get kind of trapped back into doing a lot of work. That doesn't feel like I'm kind of moving projects along every day. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be pushing a lot of paper around, answering a lot of emails and sitting at a lot of meetings. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to be on the set. I want to be producing stuff. I want to be editing. I want to be, you know, moving. I don't, for me, meetings are just, um, I'd rather be at a funeral, frankly. Mm-hmm. They're brutal. Sure. I, I've, I would say for the most part, except for like a true working meeting where there is a definition, you know, a thing that we're trying to accomplish together. Mm-hmm. For the most part, meetings are a 15 minute affair. And they, after that, they're a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, Sorry, everyone. No. <laughs> Sorry, everybody that's ever been in a meeting with me. Yeah, yeah this is what I'm really. No, that's good. no. That's I good think stuff. you know, and I, I, I see that a lot, a lot out there. I think there is uh, a, a few things that I've seen out there on LinkedIn uh, talking about. Like, I think Gary Vee talks about it too. Like meetings can be seven minutes mm-hmm. it's perfectly acceptable right mm-hmm. if just get to the point and then let's go yeah right like you don't have to spend a time because yeah yeah well i think <laughs> i think one thing that we i mean we were impressed at, at jj keller we were impressed so like meetings need an agenda people need to know what they're doing when they get there yeah um you know and they were explicit about it a few times. And I think when we actually put that stuff into practice, what I've often found was if I just sit down and make an agenda, say, these are the things I want to accomplish in this meeting, mm-hmm. one or two emails and a phone call actually would do all of those things yeah. rather than, rather than to kind of tie up 14 different people's times for 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is sometimes there just isn't people aren't not I don't say motivated, but they're not encouraged to take the time to actually set up a meeting with a purpose and like think about who should be there and why they should be there and and how long this should actually take us. It it's hard to do. I, I'm not saying that that's easy, mm-hmm. but. If one person spends 30 minutes doing that work, you can save you know, 20 hours of time. Right. Yeah. yeah, and even just thinking about other people's role in that meeting too. Who needs to be there? Who should be there? What is their role? How do they participate? Can their voice be heard? Are they just along for the ride to mm-hmm. view it, to, to absorb it, to understand it? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it, Businesses are complex, right? Um, sometimes you need to bring some a new associate in so that they can kind of start to get a sense of this is how it works and these are the projects that we're working on. These are the problems we're trying to solve. So some of that stuff is unavoidable. Um, 
you know, after 20 years, it just became less and less for me. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's plenty of people who, you know, if they sit in a meeting, they're getting a lot of energy from that, right? They're, they're connecting with their teammates or their coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they are getting a sense for what's going on in the business. Um, so it's no one size fits all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but for me, I get, I get antsy. I get, um, I get, you know, I just got, sometimes I get frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's not a place Unfortunately, it would be oftentimes be a place for people to kind of calculate out loud and calculating should be done ahead of time or afterwards, but. Yeah, I think many of us have been in those situations where it's like, okay, maybe some of this could have been um, nailed down beforehand or with this particular team rather than this entire group or what have you. Uh, but I yes. do want to go back to the maybe whether it was resistance or whatever it was that was um, that kind of kept you from making that leap when you first thought about moving into that, that entrepreneurial space. Sure. Um, I mean, I was very comfortable at JJ Keller. You know, I worked there a long time. Yeah. I had gotten, you know, to be a you know, fairly senior level there and that's hard to walk away from. Yeah. Um, they make it, you know, they, they companies do that on purpose, right? They don't want to lose someone with 20 years of tenure. Um, and I had a lot of autonomy and, and I worked with some great people and I had a boss that I really enjoyed. Um, so there was a lot of reasons to not leave. Yeah. Um, but you know, Eden knows because he and I worked closely together for, for sure the last three years of working there. And there, there was, I, I was really struggling to find some kind of footing there that felt like me, mm-hmm. right? Um, so once I, you know, once I just sort of got comfortable with the idea that it's, it's okay, right? This doesn't, this doesn't have to last forever here. I don't have to be a lifer here. Um, You're not a failure if you don't retire. From yeah. Me, right. Like it's not, yeah. yeah. The giving up piece of it, I think was hard for me. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like yeah. am I giving up on these people or am I giving up on mission or mm-hmm. did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? That was a big one. That yeah. was a big one. Cause I was, you know, a lot of the, you know, as a product owner for a long time, a lot of that stuff is kind of your baby. You know, you work a long time to birth these things into the world and I mean, they're out there for everyone to see. I mean, I, I don't, when I visit businesses now and I tell them what I used to do, like, Oh yeah, we've seen those videos. I and mean, like everyone who works anywhere in transportation or is big enough to have like workplace safety needs knows about this stuff mm-hmm. knows about the products my team and I have built. And so, there's always more, you know, I always, I always wanted them to be better. Or I always wanted them to reach more people or to reach people high there or to reach people in a way that, that worked for them. Bean. Bean just jumped up on the table for those that are just listening. Bean is a cat and he just does whatever he wants. 
because he's a cat. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the failure thing I think was a big was a big one. Yeah, you know, and yeah. in, in, in so many different ways. You know, yeah. I always had my my dad. He didn't preach to me about you know what I should do or how I should run my life. But you know, that was just kind of one of those things that I admired about him. So it was out there. You know, it'd be cool if I could do that too. I wasn't married to it, but I was certainly in a long-term relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I, you know, and there's no, you know, there's no uh, secret about, you know, the fact that um, a good friend of mine is actually runs that business, um, runs JJ Keller. And I felt a little, you know, I felt not a little more than a little loyalty to that, yeah. to that relationship to the business and to the family. You know, I've right. been around the business yeah. more than 20 years, really my whole life. So, you know, I was honored to be able to work there and to, to help them kind of in whatever way I was doing it, you know, further that mission um, that the business was involved in. Mm -hmm. So I felt, I always felt really good about that. Um, so I mean, there was a lot of things I would be sailing off into the darkness. How do you process some of that stuff? What did that look like? I mean, first of all, I, I had a conversation with him yeah. and I just said, you know, this is happening. This is kind of going on for me right now. Yeah. Um, and he had, I mean, he, he said, you know, I don't have any heartburn about that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. He said, I wouldn't blame, I wouldn't blame you or anyone, you know, for putting in 20 years here and then wanting to go try something new. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's perfectly natural. And, we're grateful for all the work you did here and we'll support you, you know, whatever way we can going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was a big comfort to me, obviously, because, you know, I, I did worry about that. Um, and obviously my wife and I talked about it quite a bit and, and I really, and honestly, the short, the shortest answer is I had a contract in my hands, right? Mm -hmm. I knew there was this amount of money that I was going to be making over the next six, 10, 12 months. And there was no way we wouldn't be able to live on that and, yeah. and my wife's salary. So yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't some grand leap into, right. into, you know, nothingness. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was something to land on. Mm -hmm. um, plus, you know, I hadn't even looked at for another job. I hadn't even, you know, nobody talked to me about a different job or working somewhere else or doing something similar to what I had been doing. So, I wasn't, like I said, I, I wasn't making some big grand leap um, that's out of the question for somebody to do. Mm -hmm. um, but starting your own business and trying something brand new that, you know, I haven't done full time. Yeah. I mean, I was certainly nervous about that. Like, was I going to be good enough? Yeah. Were, were my clients going to like that work that I'm doing? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I put a lot of time and effort into, you know, trying to get as good as I could at that as quickly as I possibly could for sure you're a family man you yeah. talked a little bit about um michelle and talked about your dad a little bit mm -hmm. um and your mom talk us through your family today um you're a pretty great father of two amazing human beings um, introduce them to the listeners, sure. Um, talk about talk about being a father and what that means to you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have two 
daughters, two grown daughters at this point. Um, a 22-year-old. She recently graduated uh, college a year early and is working on her post-secondary education plans. Mm. Uh, would like to get further into psychology. Okay. Uh, she has an interest in industrial organizational psychology, so kind of the human performance at work, right? Mm, okay. Sort of in the human resources realm. Yeah. So she works, she lives with us at home for the time being until she's back to school. But yeah, she, she did great in college. She had it rough though. I mean, most of her college was, was COVID mm, uh, yeah. times and that was not a great experience for her. So we actually, we, she kind of got gypped on school, which is a bummer. Um, so hopefully she'll get another shot at it with um, grad school. Mm -hmm. yeah. She'll find a good place to go and live and keep on studying. Build community around that, find friends. Yeah. 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 Get, as she gets closer to the tip of the spear and what she's interested in, right, she'll find a good group of people. Mm -hmm. College at home through an online course is... Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah, so right. thank. I mean, she wasn't living with us. She was yeah. at school. Yeah, but she did do a lot of school, like you know, at her apartment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And there was months, you know, there obviously they were locked down for four or five roommates. But she did fine. I mean, she's resilient and mm -hmm. and worked hard and was well prepared. You know, she did great in high school too. So. You shared a little bit about um, kind of taking her to school, yeah. right? Like letting her become an adult, yeah. that, that being a, a yeah. tough transition for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many choices now, right? When I went to college, it was like people went to school at Madison or they went to school at Oshkosh or they went to school three or four hours away. And that was kind of it. You know, now it's like there's, 5,000 schools all vying for your kids' attention. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many kids going to, you know, names, right? They're going to Duke or they're going to USC or they're going to, you know, they want to go to some school that has a name behind it because that's what they see in March Madness. And they want to be able to tell their friends that they're going to a cool school, mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, but you have to kind of find your place, yeah. right? And yeah. I can't tell you where that is. So that was that was a struggle, you know, for us because you want to tell them, mm -hmm. right? You want to say go to this school, um, but you can't steal those learning opportunities from them. They have to make that choice and then see how that plays out. And mm -hmm. you know, you have to learn from. The only mistake is just not learning from whatever choice you made. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I made this choice. Why did I make this choice? What happened now that I made this choice? Mm -hmm. um, would I do it differently next time? Or am I happy with it? Or whatever. But that's all. That's really up to them. Um, you can be there to support them. You know, if they're unhappy with it, you know, you can, you have to be there to, you know, shoulder the cry on kind of thing. But sure. Throw them, a, throw them a lifeline once in a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's hard to do. Yeah. 
that's harder to do than watch them, you know, skin their knee or fall out of the wagon or something like that. Because that's easy. You can fix that with ice cream and a Band-Aid. Yeah. Um, the other stuff is much more difficult. Just just watching kids grow up, watching your kids grow up, being being supportive as they become adults, yeah. like kind of letting them go. Uh, I think that might be different. For dads that have daughters, sure. I'm sure it's probably challenging. It can be challenging regardless, but yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, my, my wife's so smart and intelligent and emotionally stable that, you know, we've raised two very confident, very self-assured, very, um, smart, you know, young women who know who they are. They don't, you know, they're, they aren't fools. They, they make their own choices. Um, so I don't worry, you know, I don't worry about them like getting into bad situations much or running into people who are not good for them. Um, they're, you know, they understand, like I said, they know who they are and they, they know what their boundaries are. And, um, they're not afraid of those things. So, you know, you just worry about, you know, are they going to live up to their expect their own expectations mm-hmm. and even their own and their own, you kind of learn what their capacity is, right? Rather than feeling, feeling like they've, they're running into artificial barriers, you know, whether they're homemade or, mm. or they're external. Yeah. Uh, often the homemade ones are much more um, insidious. Yeah. Harder to overcome. Yeah. So those are, those are some of the things I think we probably struggle with a little bit more is, you know, I, I don't think I can do that or I'm afraid to try that, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And the only way to get over those things is to just try to do it. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then see that, you know, you didn't, you weren't harmed. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might have learned something and maybe it was painful, but mm-hmm. you're still here today. Try it again tomorrow if it didn't work out. How do you encourage that? And it's going to be, I'm sure, different for parents to children than it is for, um, because I, I know people, whether it's it's been friends or family, who, I, you know, I, I see in them such potential mm-hmm. and no matter what you say or how much you encourage, sure. they keep holding themselves back. Sure. So how do you? <sighs> yeah. I, and that is super hard for parents, right? Because you can oftentimes get into like, you start bringing some of your own baggage along. Right. right? Yeah. Like when I was your age, I, I wish I had done this thing and here's mm-hmm. this opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. It, that's just like the one I missed out on. Yeah. So that's a, I don't want to be like you. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I know. And I don't want to be like you, that piece of it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think if you, the best maybe you can do is to say, it's okay to be afraid of stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody's afraid of stuff. Right. I think they, they get tied up a little bit once in a while in believing that certain people have certain things or, have achieved certain things because mm-hmm. they are better. Like that person is better or they've, their, 
parents are cooler or they have, or they already, you know, they had more money. So it was just obvious for them or they're whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, everything, nothing comes easy. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really hard lesson for people to learn, yeah. especially your kids. Um, nothing does come, I mean, nothing that you really want comes easy. Mm-hmm. So, So you have to work in, I don't know, people sometimes don't like to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, work at self, work at, yeah. at new things, trying new things. Right, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I'm, you know, I'm on the soccer coaching staff at high school. Dude, kind of the Ted Lasso of the Fox, right? Yeah, Is that sure. Someone Roughly. described you as the Ted, the... He's got better hair. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um. But, you know, so I'm in that position a lot, right? Right. Whether they're, whether it's my daughters and my other daughter is, is a senior at the high school there. Um, I'm in a position a lot to try to convince um, young women in this case that they're capable of stuff, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they believe it. Yeah. Um, that's not a prerequisite. You don't have to believe it. Mm-hmm. You can just do it. Embed it, instill it so yeah. that they do believe it. Right. Yeah. Just do it yeah. without believing it once and see what happens. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you might start to, if that's important to you, right. you might yeah. start to believe it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but not believing it isn't a reason to, to hold yourself back from doing it. Yeah. Give me a for example there. Mm. So it's uh, just just becoming a better soccer player. Sure. Playing I mean, a new, playing a new sure, position. Sure. It's easy, yeah. right? Um, well, I've never played defense before. Mm. Mm. Well, um, how come? Well, because I don't know how. I said, well, you understand. I mean, every, everybody's on the team, so they get the tenets of the game, right? You're not supposed to let them put the ball in our goal. So I think you can do that. I think you understand that that's what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you some tips. I can help you with how to position your body, uh, you know, how to communicate with your teammates. Sure. And I also don't expect that we're going to stop every ball from going in our net. Yeah, so that's a big thing. You don't have to walk around feeling like a goal is failure. Right. You're not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to yell at you. Right. I'm not going to write like, yeah, it's not a failure. I'm going to be more excited. I'm going to jump up and down because I saw you, you know, be patient and mm-hmm. delay an offensive attack. You delayed, like, that's what we do on defense. We delay attacks so that we can get more defense involved, right? So if I saw you stand a player up who's got the ball and stop her and make her think about what she's going to do next, meanwhile, your teammates are getting in position, victory. Mm -hmm. You've already accomplished the thing. Um, So, like I said, and some of that is right, just knowing what's being measured, mm-hmm. too, right? But so I have, we sometimes parents have to do a better job of communicating, like what are we measuring? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect you to be, you know, I don't know. I don't expect you to grow up to be a doctor. I expect you to to feel good about your choices. I expect yeah. you to, to find, you know, to find out and live who you are. Mm-hmm. Not try to be somebody else or try to compare yourself to someone else. Those aren't what I'm watching for. 
Right. I'm watching for you know you feeling good about what you did, you feeling proud of what you accomplished because you worked hard to get there. Yeah, those that, are the kinds of things. Yep, yeah, that I want. That's being a father. That's you can you can lead some of that and model some of that as a soccer coach. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're involved in brigade, and you've been a camp counselor for a lot of years. In yeah. that, uh, can you share a little bit about that and what makes it fun and cool? Yeah, that's a totally different crowd because it's all yeah. boys. Yeah, um, it's such a different situation. <laughs> you know, high school boys versus high school girls. Um, the way you can uh, talk to and encourage them and challenge them. Right? Um, you know. What Eden's, Eden's referring to, um, Camp Onaway, which is a summer camp okay. in yep. Wapaka. And I go there every year uh, for eight days. And as an adult leader, we we run the camp, right? The, the boys are there to kind of compete, but also to just spend a week, you know, in fellowship and mm. learning stuff about themselves and about each other and kind of challenging themselves to be better leaders sure. uh, and those kinds of things. So, you know, I think one of the, the biggest challenges that that we have there is just kind of being an out loud conscience sometimes because it is, mm. we were talking about Lord of the Flies before. <laughs> <laughs> We're on an island with 150 boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there might be 60 or 70 adults there kind of keeping track of things, but sure. It doesn't take long for stuff to kind of hit the third rail. So, you know, we can kind of carefully and you know, without being overbearing and kind of being in the way of them doing what they're trying to accomplish, say, you know, hey, maybe maybe that's not the best way to approach whatever that project is or that problem right. you're having is. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we're trying to model some some more slightly mature behaviors, mm -hmm. you know, the little kids are watching you. Let's, let's maybe work on a better solution language, the language we're using or, mm -hmm. or, you know, the way we're being inclusive. Uh, Cause we got, like I said, 150 boys there. They're very, they're, they cover the whole range yeah. of types of boys. So yeah. it's, uh, but it's super fulfilling. You know, the, the kids, the kids love having us there, you know, as much as they probably would prefer them to be there by themselves. You know, we try to have some fun, show them how to have fun. Yeah. You know, as, as adults, you know, we're, we're there having fun together, but we can also, you know, say, just sort of guide them, right? And say, this is, this is appropriate. This is good fun. Everybody's involved. Nobody's getting hurt, whether emotionally or physically, um, maybe physically once in a while. And then, you know, just kind of show them how to create those environments where, where this is possible. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be adversarial or a competition all the time. We can just get along. Right. Regardless of who we are or where we came from. Mm -hmm. And more than get along, we can work together. Yeah. yeah. So that um, regardless of where we came from. Point, it, it just is making me think about um, maybe some of the challenges that come into leading, creating a, um, you know, kind of being examples of leadership to others. 
who are not your own children yeah. and maybe where um, where some of these um, better ways of being in the world might get lost by certain people's upbringing and how that might not be modeled in their own home. Yeah. Um, it's probably not for most people. Is that true? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it feels like it's, it feels like there are gaps there for sure. And yeah. it's more difficult to do as a parent than it might be to do as a supportive soccer coach or as sure. a counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're wearing a different hat because yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not your parent telling you or showing right. you right. And I only have to do it, you know, for two hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. We're a parent. I mean, and I'm a parent too, but, um, you know, I think maybe it's, Maybe it's going on everywhere, but the consistency is really hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's tough because yeah. you know people are in all kinds of situations. You know they've mm-hmm. they've uh, you know there's divorces or there's broken homes and there's millions of reasons for those kinds of things and it makes it super hard you know to be consistent and for kids to hear a, a, a good message all the time yeah. or to have the kind of support they need at home all the time. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, it's all of the time. Yeah. Um, there's really not a lot of break, especially if you're raising kids that are zero to 15, right? So once there's, I mean, at least ours, once they're 16, you know, they've, they start to get jobs and they've got other responsibilities and, you know, they're motivated because they want to do things that they like to do. So maybe they try to help out a little bit more or, try to be a little bit more adult so it does get easier but you know for the first there's 10 years there where it's just nothing but button pushing and boundary testing mm-hmm. and um, yeah it's tough it's tough to stay on top of all of the time yeah yeah so for, it's a it's some place like camp i mean we're that we're there we're encouraging to come unglued and have a great time for some reason, it's not hard to just, you know, put boundaries on stuff and say, mm-hmm. we're having this kind of fun. We're not having that kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what you're there for. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to be jerks about it. Uh, I'm, resp- I'm being held responsible. I have, there's expectations on me. Yeah. So I have expectations of you. And, I mean, kids prefer that. Yeah, I was just right. going to say that, I mean, kids want boundaries. They want structure. They want... Yeah, and they respect it, too. They, yeah. you know, oh, man, I, I kind of screwed up there. But, mm-hmm. you know, he took me aside and... We talked about it. Yeah, we, we talked about it. it. Right. I didn't just yeah. get yelled at. I Right. He actually, and he actually cared. Right, he cared enough. Like, yeah. that, that we see different behavior. Right. I'll be there. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Who modeled that for you? How did you learn that? Um, you talked a little bit about the influence of your parents. Yeah, but I kind of grew up in that. I, I, we, I talked a little bit about that earlier. Yeah. Um, there always seemed to be kind of a parent around, mm-hmm. right, in the neighborhood. And we were persistently looking for trouble. Yeah. 
<laughs> but usually right around the right time, somebody's dad or mom would step in and say, no, mm -hmm. that's a boundary that you've crossed and we're not doing that. Yeah. And this is why. And they didn't hesitate. Uh, it didn't matter whose kid was in the room or who was in the backyard or mm -hmm. who lit what on fire. It was that we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, they cared enough. You know, they weren't. Yeah. It wasn't punitive. It wasn't all the time. Um, they let us be kids, but you know we got, I think, enough feedback about where the boundaries were. And, um, yeah, we were raised. We were raised by probably fifteen different parents. Mm -hmm. It was great. You're an outdoorsy fellow. I prefer you. you get energy from the outdoors, yeah. you ski and snowboard, you cycle and mm -hmm. bike. Uh, what else? Soccer is usually outside. Soccer. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Soccer during the, yeah. not winter is outside. Right. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's a place where my wife and I kind of connected immediately. Um, you know, we like, we love to be outdoors. Uh, being on the water is a big deal. You know, just, whether it's just floating around, you know, on the paddleboard or sitting on the boat or uh, waiting, you know, with a beer in your hand, whatever it is, it's um, love being outside and in the water. I just don't get tired of it. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't have any, I don't, I don't have a limit for how much I can be outdoors. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter the weather either. I don't know why. It's just, I've just always been like that. Yeah. I mean, I used to have, I remember being little and if it was snowing when we actually had winters, you know, I'd have, I'd go through three different changes of winter clothing in a day just because stuff would get wet and mm -hmm. frozen and stuff. But yeah, that's where I was. I was just always outside riding bikes and playing in the mud. Inside is kind of boring. <laughs> Unless you have headphones on. Yeah. You're doing something yeah. else, grinding, right? Maybe yeah. that has something to do with the two. Yeah. It's a shift from yeah. being on and producing, creating. Yeah. 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 So now, I mean, I, I fill a lot of that space in my life with, we have two dogs and you know, we were, I walk them every morning. Uh, my one dog loves to go mountain biking with me, which I don't get to do often enough, but she is almost more addicted to going outside than I am. Yeah. Uh, so that keeps me outside quite a bit, mm. which is totally fine. I love it. So where do you find, or do you care to find stillness? Because mm. it's a lot of activity. Yeah. And entrepreneurship is a, it's 24 seven. Yeah. <laughs> stillness. Um, so, I mean, I probably watch, you know, more, I probably do more TV binging than I probably should. Mm -hmm. uh, I just got done watching Succession again because the new season is coming out on HBO and I love that show. And, you know, it's sort of, you get to live vicariously talking about people behaving poorly and stuff. What is, uh, what is that? I'm not familiar. Uh, it's a, it's a show about a, a super rich family. And the patriarch is nearing kind of the end of his reign 
as the mm. CEO of this multinational business. Okay, okay. And the four kids are, you know, angling for the next, to be next up. Sure. And there isn't a one of them that behaves very well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. And so I said, you know, kind of live vicariously through you. I get to watch a lot of poor decision making and, and bad acting. I mean, good, it's great acting, mm -hmm. but, you know, being bad actors. Mm -hmm. And he said, boy, I would never lived, I would never have made that choice. But mm -hmm. so, I mean, it, I, I don't mind, like, I, I like to be active instead of working out. I will work out. I do some, but not enough yoga at home. Um, I wish I did. I wish I did it daily, um, but I don't. Uh, I think this idea of uh, enoughness is interesting. Like, yeah. Or and the should. Yeah. Like, should shouldn't. All right. Enough. That's. Right. Like you're doing what you're doing. Right. That's all shame science. Right? Yeah. yeah. You're doing what you're doing, which is now I'm going to start like, like overthinking how I'm saying things. So I'm just going to say what I'm going to yeah. say. Um, you're doing more and better than probably a majority of people in terms of like, your physical health, um, I'm sure there's a meditative element, a stillness element, even to the work that you do when you're sitting there with headphones listening through, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, who isn't binge watching? Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. Um, and I know that there are people that aren't, but um, but yeah, I think I think sometimes we can be a little bit too hard on our on sure. ourselves. Those of us that are more like that high achiever kind yeah. of. Well, I think, I mean, probably a better answer to the, where do I, where is my quiet or my stillness? I mean, I've been home since COVID, mm. literally been home, right? And when I, and now when I work even, um, you know, my last year's contract, I only went into work like six times. Okay. The rest of it I do at my home. Mm -hmm. So I was gone a lot for 20 plus years mm -hmm. uh, at work and, you know, I traveled to conferences and I was gone, mm -hmm. you know, and then when you work, you like, like I have to stop at the gym on my way home. So there's plenty of days where you're gone from home for 12 hours. That's a long time. That's most of the day. Yeah. So now I'm home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get up kind of barely before my girls leave the house to say goodbye and, you know, give them a hug and say goodbye. And then I quietly sit there and eat breakfast and then I take my dogs for a walk. I mean, I'm the only one out there at 8.30 in the morning walking their dogs. Mm. All the other go-getters have gotten their run in and they're off to work and doing their thing. So, and that's a complete change of transformation totally. from where you have spent the majority of your adult life. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, if you'd ask my wife before I started doing this, she'd be like, well, he's gone all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause I, I was busy and I might, I like to be busy and I'm doing stuff and I'm going this place or that place where I'm stopping at the store to do this. Now there's, I mean, there are, there'll be a week go by. I never even drive a car, um, especially once it's a little bit nicer out, you know, I go to soccer practice, I would drive the car to soccer practice. Mm -hmm. It's only a mile away. Okay. Sure. So 
those days I'd be like, I should probably drive my truck once and <laughs> just make sure <laughs> it still works. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty quiet in the house throughout the day because it's mostly just me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my family would tell you that I'm probably a little too in love with my golden retriever, Gracie. No such thing. So we spend a lot of quiet, <laughs> we spend a lot of quiet time together, um, which is is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's amazing, so I spend a lot of time with her. Mm-hmm. And I and I like being around now. It's easy. It's much easier to just be around. I can run to the store if I have to run to the store, or I can take care of stuff around the house. My wife's work is emotional and it's physically draining for her, so I don't I don't mind being home to vacuum or clean a toilet if I was like, oh man, that toilet needs to be cleaned or whatever it might be. It helps make her day just that much easier. Mm -hmm. Um, She's kind of the food preparer at home. So um, I always feel bad about her coming home from work and then having to prepare a meal, but I try to make sure all the other stuff is out of the way. Yeah. So I don't mind doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then if I need a vacation, (laughs) Which I don't, but if I need a vacation, you know, I just was, I was just up north skiing for five days a week and a half ago. Okay, so sure. I, that's within my that's within my power to do. Yeah, as long as I've taken care of all my stuff at home and my clients are happy. Yeah, yeah. even go skiing. There might be an aspect to stillness in that too, in skiing and being outside. Yeah. That energy mm. piece of it as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, you're doing an activity, but. You're also slowing things down and getting away. It, it's pure joy for me. Paying, yeah. Paying attention. Yeah. Connecting with nature, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Using your, yeah. for me, even just using my body in a super, in a super directed and focused way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing, you know, what I can get out of it. And, you know, can I, it's the search for the perfect turn. That's what skiing's about. Okay. Um, you know, I don't get hung up on it, but when you get one, it's like, it's just, it's kind of bliss. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, you know, it's the, probably the same way people talk about surfing, right? They're right. looking for the perfect wave. And sure. They, you know, doing that kind of thing. You know, when, when there's fresh snow on the ground and, and it's five degrees out and it's just you and a couple hundred people out there. The quiet, the trees kind of whipping by. It's yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think about golf. Yeah, <laughs> the perfect putt or the perfect drive. Sure, you can just feel it. Yeah, 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 and hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Lensberg's a golfer. Yeah, he's trying to show, trying to teach me how to golf. <laughs> It's adventurous. Yeah. Yeah. Do you not golf? I mean, he plays golf. <laughs> I, have, I have played golf before. You yeah. have not, golf clubs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're a golfer. Uh, I mean, <laughs> see, that's a stretch in my mind. He's great to golf with. It's um, so he's a lot of fun to golf with. It's a difficult sport because I'm not naturally gifted at it. Do you think and it takes, a, which is probably unusual for you. Uh, pre- yeah, yeah. It, it's an unusual feeling yeah. for me yeah. to pick something up that I have no idea. 
And I think it's, I have a baseball swing, so it's just kind of a, a learning a, a new way to hold yeah. and hit. Yeah. And so, yeah, and to hit one into the woods regularly, to not hit it straight regularly and be okay with that. The mm. mental side of the game mm. is interesting to me. That's... And how serious do I want to take this sport? Right. Yeah. You know, is always the challenge. Like, do I want to be good at this or kind of still, can, is, yeah. it, is it okay and have fun if I'm, if I'm pretty shitty at golf? Sure. It is. That's the hard. That's the. It is. It's okay. I, I've gotten better with it, but that's, that was because I got way into it in 2020. Like, yeah. Way into it. <laughs> I was going almost every weekend. And, um, going to the driving range like three days a week. Mm -hmm. um, so I can hit super straight, like just about every time straight distance is my enemy. <laughs> but it's straight. <laughs> yeah. Well, even just the practice element, to it, right? Like putting in the grind and going to the driving like range. If I, if I had like the number of bad hits that I've had, uh, it, you know, whether it's a distance thing or just like whatever it was. Um, yeah, there's, there's sometimes been a lot of swearing <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're golfing, yeah. if you're golfing with me. Uh, but I've gotten a little bit better with, That's with fairly common. not being great. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear people, I hear guys. It's fairly worse common on the golf course. <laughs> like, I'm like, somebody's about to throw their club. <laughs> You'd wish, they, you'd wish they'd back it down to just swimming. That's a release, yep. Yep. though. I mean, that's that, that's a way to get that energy out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right? Like, it's a, it's a healthy outlet, maybe, for some of that, right? You can lose, you can be pissed about a golf swing, and it's a golf ball. Yeah. And then just, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So that's always interesting. But it is, is it's, it's why people talk about it as, like, a, having a love-hate relationship with it, because sure. it's like, why am I even doing that? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. What's your philosophy on the game? Um, I try not to get too tied up in trying to be as good as I ever was. Mm. You're good. It, it. It's only because I just know enough, like how to not mm -hmm. be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's yeah. there is a line yeah. there where where if you don't know enough, it's super easy to be terrible at golf. Yeah. The margin of error yeah. on a good hit in a, in a, in a duff yeah. is, is literally here. Right. Or a grip or a, right. Or yeah. a stance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many moving parts. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, and at this point I don't play enough, you know, to have those kinds of expectations. So I try to remember that, like mm -hmm. I'm not playing 25 times a summer like I probably used to in college. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have to remember that if I'm only playing five times, I'm only going to be so good. You know, okay. maybe I'm going to hit if on 18 holes, I'm going to hit the ball a hundred times or something. They're not all going to be winners. Mm -hmm. So just try to have fun, focus on just this one shot. Like I always tell, you know, I'm telling my, my younger daughter all the time in soccer, you can't, you can't focus on well, once the once the shot has been made or the ball has been kicked. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's over. Yeah. yeah, it's literally over. That story is over. Yeah, there's a new story coming. Mm -hmm. Right, and you have to just mm -hmm. move on to the new story. Mm -hmm. 
staying in present mind, yeah. focusing on the, 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 the next hit, yeah. focusing on the next play. Right. That piece of it, yeah. forgetting about what's past. And yeah, we don't have a time machine. I can't, yeah. We can't go back and mm-hmm. fix a bad touch mm-hmm. or fix a bad pass or something. You know, it's just, how, you know, how do I, how do you react? And it's kind of like that with everything, right? How do I yeah. react to this so, in a way that's, you know, in a way that's not going to steal the next one from me, mm-hmm. right? So if, I, if you get pissed off or angry at someone else or angry at your equipment or whatever, it's, it's just snowballs and gets away from you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what I have often said in, in yoga is to move from where you are and honor where your where your body is at. So we all have certain limitations of the body and um, ability mm-hmm. to move. Range of motion is different for everybody, sure. even the way that our get into anatomy a little bit, the way that our femur is arranged into our hip socket is different angle for everyone. So sure, yeah. the shapes aren't going to look the same. So wherever you're at in that moment to operate, but then there's also the, the larger picture of that. That's why I love how you said there's a new story coming because that's like life stuff to me. Yeah. People that are maybe held back by something in their past, mm-hmm. not able to move forward into what that new story is or able to even create that new story because you're stuck yeah. with the what ifs and whys and all of that kind right. of thing. Yeah, just watching that rerun that. over and over. Yeah. yeah. Maybe talk about your mindset around moving forward from maybe maybe your own past errors mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, you turned 50 recently. I did. Too. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's where all that wisdom comes from. Right. That, was that when you turned 50 or leading up to? Right. Like I think that has something to do with it too, potentially as a. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure there's something to all of that. Yeah. Um, and I've also never felt like just because I don't know what's going to happen um, that I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, I, and I'm sure I'm privileged in that way uh, in some way, but I, I kind of like the unknown. I like sort of that excitement, the juice a little bit about, well, here, here goes nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was scared to death about quitting JJ Keller and starting my own business and doing all this, doing all this craziness. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I was feeling a little bit older. Maybe I was thinking, I don't have to overthink this. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I feel like, I've thought about this enough. And if it was really, really stupid. I would have come to that conclusion by now mm-hmm. and I haven't. So what am I waiting for? Mm-hmm. Right. How many more, how many more signs or, you know, whatever 
how much more encouragement do I need um, to just try this thing? Um, I don't sit around and think about like, what's the worst thing that could happen mm. because I don't feel incapable of overcoming, you know, things that are bad. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure for, for people, that's a very real place, right? Right. Bad, you know, bad things have happened to me before and I haven't been able to get out of that mm -hmm. in whatever way. But, you know, and I'm sure there's lots of people who are a lot more planful, planful and intentional, intentional about where they're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. But I've always just been a little bit more, well, let's see where we get to. Mm -hmm. And then we can decide what to do once we're there. Yeah. You're, you're a deeply authentic person in my book. Um, you, you care a lot about relationships and yeah. people and humans. You have a lot of good friends because you're honest and trustworthy. Um, That's damn nice to say. And here. Thank you. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. Catch that one and say thank you. Um, <clears throat> I think that speaks to your ability to try new things. And I think, and to maybe have that, that courage or that safety net of, well, at least I still have all of my friends and my relationships, right? Like that, yeah. play, a place of, yeah. I am myself. I've shared ups, I can share ups and downs and feelings and emotions with others. Yeah, they know me. They understand me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe react to that. It may be some. Maybe that's where some of that kind of privilege comes in that I was talking about, right? So I, you know, I, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. I don't feel unsafe, and I've rarely felt unsafe or supported, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, I suspect. I mean, that's that's a hell of an insight, Eden, and that's probably really what's at the heart of that. You know, I, I, I do have, I have my own great family. I've got a lot of people around the nucleus of my family, uh, whether they're direct family members or good long time friends, uh, like you mentioned. So yeah, I, I feel safe. I feel supported. I can look without leaping. Mm -hmm. I can leap without looking sometimes. And sometimes my buddies, you know, friends will say, well, what are you doing? Yeah. What, to have a, a close yeah. enough relationship to say, yeah. what, the, what the fuck's going on? Here? Yeah. Why, why are you thinking that? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like that be almost being called out on yeah. some of that stuff. For sure. That, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've been called out on lots of stuff. Um, but not, you know, not to shame me, but to be like, yeah. Dude, have you thought about this at all? I care about you deeply and I know you and, and here's a, a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to, to catch that and say, okay, let's have a conversation about it. Right. right. Thank you for bringing not Fuck you. I'm never talking to you again. Right. I don't want you in my life anymore. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Right. Like I think that's, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I've, I've mentioned Michelle more than a few times. I mean, obviously I have that same relationship uh, and I remember when I, when I left Keller and I started the business and, you know, I had my, my, I had my email account for the very first time, right? Like Joel at Landsbergmedia.com. Like, oh my God, you did it. You I, made it. I've got right? an email address <laughs> with my name on it. It's just my name. It's yeah. not, 
it's not, you know, Landsberg Media at Google.com. It's, yeah. it's yeah. my email address with my domain. So I wrote Michelle, I know I wrote Michelle an email from that account, um, you know, kind of just introducing her to business. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was actually, it was, you know, it was a thank you, you know, if, um, you know for having my back and supporting me and kind of taking, taking a risk, you know, and betting on me um, in this way. And uh, I mean, that's just all kind of feeling supported and feeling safe enough to do that. And knowing that even if I did fail there, you know, there's a net there to catch me. Mm, yeah. So mm. um, she hadn't really thought about it much in that way, you know, like, she was kind of along for the ride mm -hmm. like she was a part of it, uh, but she very much was. I mean, there was no point during this for me that she said, you, you really can't do this. This isn't going to work right. or I'm too afraid for you to do this. Yeah. Cause I guarantee you she yeah. was scared shitless yeah. of me quitting work yeah. and then just going off and mm -hmm. kind of flying off, you know, shooting video and, she didn't share that with you. She didn't put plant seeds of doubt right. in your mind. Right. She confidently supported you and was yeah. there, even if she was maybe feeling uneasy with it at times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're close to time. Do you have, yes. do you have one more yeah. question, Sid, or do you, do you have anything? Um, can we just take on? a quick pause? Okay. So the question is this. What do you think, with the strong relationships that you have, meaningful I presume. Um, what is it that sustains those? And can you speak to maybe vulnerability in that? For a lot of my really oldest relationships, and I've had some of them since, you know, longer than I can remember, some of it is, honestly, shared history, right? Mm. There's so much shared history. And just feeling like you know someone because you've known them for 50 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, how would you know them any better than you know them now? Right. And, you know, we can sit around, you know, we can sit around with the best of them and tell the same old stories 45 times. Mm -hmm. um, but we also can have you know, meaningful conversations about stuff that's going on in the world and have very different points of view. And, um, you know, obviously as we get older and we've, we have new and different experiences without each other, we've come from different places and that all just seems to kind of add to what makes those relationships so meaningful. Um, as far as sustaining, it's, you know, I, I don't feel like that's a choice so much. You know, these are people that I, you know, these are people that I love like my own family. So I reach out to them. I call them. I send them stupid texts. You know, I just, we visited some of our oldest friends on Monday because she had a birthday over the weekend and Michelle had made some brownies. I'm like, these are too good for us to just eat. We should take some over and say hi. And we don't have to be there for forever. Half an hour is fine. But, 
you know, to just check in and, and to see how they're doing and learn, just give me 10 minutes on what your kids are up to. So I can, you know, we don't get to see them enough, but you know, we can kind of stay in touch that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is, a lot of it becomes that, you know, when you have kids, you just sort of are living through what your kids are up to and sure. where are they going and who are they hanging out with. And, um, and we have different groups, right? We've got friends from church uh, that we've known. Sure. We've been going to this one church for, well, I guess our whole marriage. So it's getting close to 30 years, 25 years. And, you know, we have, we have a similar motivation there, right? We're, we're trying to be good parishioners. We want, we're trying to keep the church growing and keep the church healthy and grow with each other in our faith and do those kinds of things. So you find, you know, you find things with people that, you know, you want to kind of grow and challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you can feel safe doing it with, you know, with them. Yeah. I think, I mean, those are the people that you want to be around. Mm-hmm. You know, people who challenge you and, and are, are doing it because they think you're capable of whatever it is they're challenging you with. And mm-hmm. they want to see, they want to see you grow and they want you to challenge them. And there's just that safety there. And it's not like you're always just looking for safety, but, um, cause, so, cause it's not always safety, but there's mm-hmm. safe enough to feel, you know, to feel like you could challenge someone or feel, you know, in a, in a supportive way. Like, you know, I, I don't really believe it in the same way that you're stating it. Um, this is how I see it. And you can hold that space open for, you know, we've talked about this, you know, having, creating space for people to say, you know, what's truly on their mind mm-hmm. you know, and making it okay for that, to be like that. Those are the people you want to be around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he, mm-hmm. he makes a lot of space for people. Yeah. That's a superpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a technique. We talked about it though, right? Yeah, I use it as a technique, as a shoot. Uh, but I also get energy from it. Right? I also give a shit. I'm also curious. I also want to help. Totally. Uh, it does not. It does not feel disingenuous. It does not mm-hmm. feel artificial. Yeah. Like it's a tool for creating space between us. Yeah. That doesn't. It's not what it comes off as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that as a place. Yeah. Unless there's anything else that you want to. I mean, so I'll say, you know, hear what I said to Eden, you know, after listening to a couple of your shows. Yeah, give us some feedback on podcast stuff. Um, mm-hmm. This being the experiment that did. You know, I, whether it's a podcast or sitting in a meeting or sitting in a bar, I love, you know, listening to Eden and kind of examining the way he is experiencing a situation. Sure. Right? He... He never asks, he even doesn't ask inane questions. Mm-hmm. He's not looking to fill space with, with kind of, I mean, he's happy to, he's, don't get me wrong, he's happy to screw off. <laughs> but if you're having a conversation. Jess <laughs> hasn't seen me screw off much. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it takes time to be comfortable enough to screw off. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but if you're having a conversation with him and, you know, if we have lunch or whatever, uh, they're often meaningful conversations. It's. It, there, I mean, there's so much meat there because 
he is, I, I don't know anybody who listens better for more understanding mm-hmm. and then can ask a question, you know, we'll take a conversation a whole new direction with a convers- with a question that really makes you want to examine your own answer. Like, mm-hmm. I almost feel like, I don't know if I'm up to the challenge all the time yeah. of Eden's, like, you know, it just, just his inquiry. Not that it's, it doesn't feel like an inquisition, but sometimes I'm like, man, I haven't even, I have not thought about this in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you call your podcast going deep, but I think, I mean, there's nobody I know that that forces you to go deep more often than he does mm-hmm. the way he poses questions. And you almost feel like if I don't answer this question, like, first of all, I know his bullshit meter is going to go off if I'm bullshitting him. Mm-hmm. So I got to think about this and I have to like examine, you know, myself and my motivation and I need to make it clear to him. I need to make that answer clear to him. Or he's just going to ask it again in a different, better way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I know no matter what I say, it's okay because he's not, you know, he's not asking it to judge me. He's not asking it to like hold me up to an answer. Mm -hmm. He's saying, you know, it's almost more like, have you thought about this? Right. And, you know, you should think about this and, you know, what's your motivation behind it? How does it make you feel, Mm -hmm. you know, when, whatever this thing is we're talking about yeah. and it's okay that it makes you feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what I told him. I said, I, I love listening to that. I, mm-hmm. I just think it's, I've just never worked with or hung with or communicated with somebody who's that who seems to care that much. And who seems to have that right. facility for asking a question in a way that, makes me want to, to be more introspective mm-hmm. and to have a better understanding for who I am and where I'm coming from. That was a super long answer. Thanks for that. Yeah. that was, thank you. Yeah. yeah thank awesome. you, man. It's, this yeah. has been, I mean, we've, Ian and I have been, you know, we've been running a parallel journey here for probably, yeah. Yeah. you know, I think safe to say probably the last five years. It's been, I mean, it's, it's been crazy, mm-hmm. um, but it's been super uh, rewarding. It's been a little bit scary. It's been uh, comforting to know that he's put a lot of time and effort into himself. Mm-hmm. And I take that kind of as a challenge to do the same for myself. Yeah. So if I know a dude is cool, you know, is Eden isn't afraid to do that work, then I shouldn't be. Thanks for that support. Yeah. Thanks for, for being there to have conversation with, to, to grow a relationship with, to, for this not to feel like a solo journey. We've had conversation about that. Yeah. Starting your own thing and being an entrepreneur is tough. Right. Uh, oftentimes you're, you're the one and you're going through challenges and that's a roller coaster and there's ups and downs. Yeah. To have someone like you in my support network that I can share both the bad and the good and that you'll catch it give a little inspiration and motivation when it's needed or yeah. to say, Hey, dumbass, do this thing. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, how little are you going to work? Right? right. Like you're looking to work less. Right. Even just those kind of 
challenges or jabs or conversations that we can have and play with has helped me in my journey. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I love you, man. Love you too. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank for you. Talking with us. And I was I was nervous. I had no idea what we were gonna do or where we were gonna go, but yeah. Well, here we are. And I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got somewhere. I know we got somewhere. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I hope you feel good about I'm it still, too. I'm still holding on to that new story. New story coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that.